Hello and welcome to the Marketing Mashup Podcast. This podcast is where we bring you the most interesting perspectives on marketing from some of the best minds in the industry. In this series, we've got agency directors, startup founders, and some of the people who are away in these trenches delivering the marketing campaigns. So I'm excited for this one. I've got Aaron from The Goat Agency. Aaron is the co-founder of social and influencer agency, The Goat Agency, along with his former colleagues, Nick Cook and Harry Hugo. After a stint in Dubai, Aaron co-founded Sport Lobster in 2012, having raised 17.5 million at Sport Lobster, Aaron exited the company early 2016 to start the GOAT Agency. Now the GOAT Agency are leaders in influencer marketing for offices in London, New York, Singapore and Monaco, working with everyone from startup companies to global brands such as UEFA, Lidl and British Airways. Aaron, I've given you a little introduction there. Um, how are you doing? Yeah, very well, thanks. Lovely introduction. Thank you. Um, was, was that accurate? Did I It was. Uh, it's close enough. Yeah, no, no that's good. Um, that's a very macro view of my yeah. last 10 years, but it is, it is certainly accurate. So take me, take me back 10 years ago. Tell me a little bit about, um, tell me a little bit more of the details of how you got to where you are with the GOAT agency. I'm 31, I suppose, for context. Um, so 10 years ago, I was 21, just leaving university, um, and I went to live in Dubai. I had actually had... Um, Weirdly, I'd, I'd had two arm break-ins in, at university in Nottingham. So a big reason I moved to Dubai was just because I knew it was safe and I was just a bit two arm fed break-ins. up. Two arm break-ins, I know. I know you, the space in the space 12 months. I was both times, yeah. What did yeah, you it do? Yeah, it was mad. I've, <laughs> never, I've never known anyone who's... Well, the first one, I, the first one we came... God, these are long stories. I'm not sure about it. But the, the first one, essentially, I walked in and the guys were in the house um, when I walked in the house yeah. with a mate of mine. The second one... I was in the house with my girlfriend at the time. Guy kicked the door down. Um, completely random. Just bad luck. So I moved to Dubai at 21. Did you get hurt from either of them? Was it Not not really, no. Oh, um, the second one, I fought the guy in the house. Um, really? Yeah, yeah, it was bad. So I was just a bit... I moved there just for sort of a new, a new start, a yeah. new opportunity. Um, I started working at a company called The First Group. I, within... Nine months there, got was in a company meeting and they essentially said, listen, anyone that can get us a deal in Africa, these are, they're a property development company selling hotels, essentially. Anyone can get us a deal in Africa. We're really looking um, and there'll be a big opportunity there. So I started looking and I managed to find one. I found one in Kenya, ended up going down to Kenya, met the prime minister of Kenya um, and did a deal with him for to put the tallest tower in Africa there. Um, I then ended up going, this is all at 21, 22, I ended up going to Nigeria, Ghana, Angola, setting up offices for the first group there um, and just got thrown in at the deep end because I put my hand up and took an opportunity and it gave me a, a level of, you know, I always, people ask, how do you, someone actually asked on the vlog the other day, how do you, how do you have the confidence to do this and the reality is from realizing that everybody struggles with that confidence and so just understanding that can give you the confidence and so being put into a situation that 
I should never have been in as a 21, 22 year old speaking one on one with the Prime Minister of Kenya. I just, <laughs> I shouldn't be in that situation now. I shouldn't be at 55. It feels like something yeah, someone much right. more important should do. But I did it and it went really well and it, and it, the outcome was great. And I, that was a real lesson for me in anything that's possible. I did four years in Dubai and I met a guy called Andy Meikle. Um, we then co-founded Sport Lobster, um, raised the initial funds in Dubai, moved to London. Um, three years later, I exited that company. It was a sports social network. Um, we raised 17 and a half million, had two and a half million active users. Both Harry and Nick worked at Sport Lobster. Harry was head of social, Nick was head of marketing. And essentially the three of us in a line at Sport Lobster were running not just the marketing, but all the marketing. And one day we decided, in context of Sport Lobster, we had partnerships with the NBA, the NFL, Cristiano Ronaldo, et cetera, et cetera. And one day we decided to give a kid 10 quid who had 100,000 followers on Twitter, who had a football account, um, told him to essentially download Sport Lobster, set up a profile and send your followers there to listen to you on Sport Lobster rather than Twitter. And he sent 2,000 downloads from that £10 and it was the best marketing we'd ever done by a country mile. So massive light bulb of this is before the word influencer meant I was what it say, does was now right this was thing back no then. no no absolutely not no no people thought we were insane you know we had to pay the guy 10 pounds before he posted and the assumption was he's not going to post we're just going to send him the 10 pounds and that'll be the end of it but all right it's only a tenner it's a risk let's do it yeah so that guy worked incredibly well and it really brought the rest of our marketing into question we're spending 350 300 grand a month for marketing at that point so we were trying everything with tv ads we sponsored crystal palace gloucester rugby club the nba the nfl we had billboard ads everywhere every digital agency going had a go with us and so we saw this this one post that just killed it we then did as many as we could as any rational person would and by the time we'd done a hundred we essentially realized that only about 20 percent of these guys really did it so 20 percent, 20 out of the 100 killed it for us they generated at least a thousand downloads each and it was unbelievable but then a huge number of them did virtually nothing between one and 20 downloads which was still okay value but it was very clear that wow these people all look the same but yet they deliver massively different value so we purely for our own benefit started to store that data started to track when people worked and when they didn't so we could use them again we nine months 12 months after that we'd use several thousand influence by that point we had our, our own system going it was working really well but we were just struggling to scale it that quickly because it was a manual outreach and trial and error so we used the only in influencer agency at the time that i'm not going to name um <laughs> who delivered 2% of what they said they were going to. And so we essentially realized, oh, we're already the biggest, best agency at this. We, we need help ourselves, but we could do 50 grand a month and everyone else could do 500 quid a month. So that opportunity was on the table as I left Sport Lobster. Um, Harry, Nick and I, very quickly afterwards formed GOATS in August 2015, unfunded, um, just the three of us. And we got a football client that spent 
£5,000 with us on the first weekend. We absolutely killed it for him and he spent seven and a half grand the next weekend and then seven and a half grand the weekend after and then 10 grand the weekend after and all of a sudden we had a 40 grand a month client and that literally was how we built the agency we went from one client to another um we have just done this off people wanting to work with us predominantly initially off performance clients where it was very very black and white whether or not we were the best now we do a lot a lot of the stuff we do you could argue is more subjective we still do a huge amount of the performance stuff where it is binary you know someone's willing to pay you x for y um but we just built it on that and so everything about this agency is a a non-agency self-built attitude um none of us have ever come from an agency background i you know harry's 24 Nick's 29. Um, we've all worked at brands previously, but never from agencies. So we, when we set up Goat, it was just what would we buy? Like what's, how do we de-risk it for clients? Well, you know, if we can, we need to create something that every brand, of course they're going to buy because it's the best in, in the market rather than people come out of agencies and they think, okay, how can we skin this a different way to try and get a bit more money out of the brand? That was just never our, our approach. So you said taking it back to when you started um, the goat agency, you got that football client pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. How, how did you get those first few clients, and how did you find how easy was it to scale um, to, to where you are now? Really, the first client was difficult and easy. You know that that it was a timing thing, and he. We started in August, started the Premier League season. It's always the best for new sports products like that from an advertising point of view. So we started at exactly the right time, accidentally. Um, And what isn't an accident is we delivered him the best bit of advertising he'd ever got from five grand. So, you know, we were lucky, I suppose, to get that first one and timing was right and everything else. And then how hard is it to deliver it? Incredibly difficult. Um, not aware of other agencies that are able to deliver like we can because it's really really difficult you've got to have a an understanding and you've got to have a data set that you can't make you know you can't fast forward this you can't make it up you've either got the data on who to use or you don't and if you don't the results will show it because 80 percent of people don't work so if you're just choosing people randomly 80 percent of everything you do isn't going to work and the 20 percent's not good enough to make up for all that so the results is what it always comes down to. We're a results-based business. You know, we we guaranteed at the very beginning, and we still do, we guarantee results to our clients because we're that confident in what we need to do. And people ask me all the time as a new agency, oh, I can't win, can't win this work, can't win that work. Make them an offer they can't refuse. You know, go and anyone that's every month is buying something, if you go in and offer them that same thing for less money or for the same money a lot more, 99% of people are going to take that offer. You know, you'd have to be, there'd have to be another reason, a, 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 usually a backhander from someone or something. That's about the only reason anyone would ever stay in that situation. They, people want some, the same thing for cheaper. So that's what we did. Yeah. That's what we did. And how, how did you deal with, because you're, you're guaranteeing results at this point, how did you deal with the times you didn't hit those, hit those results? Um... I think it's twice out of 350. Um, the And how with 
great difficulty, very, very uncomfortable situation. Um, we have campaigns that underperform that we would rather lose margin or lose money than deliver. But there have been two products where the products just has not worked. And, you know, they were small level campaigns, but it just the, their product was just broke. And both those businesses went under within three or four months. Um, but it was still a very difficult very difficult situation it's what keeps us honest to be honest it's the the thing i least want to do is have that conversation with a client have a conversation with someone where we've said we're going to do something and then haven't done it so i would do everything within my power to prevent that conversation from having to happen by making sure that we do it and that's kind of our attitude here is by any means you know we've we've got to do it we've got to find a way and if it means we lose on it or you know fine but the we our reputation's everything and you know you you speak to the clients that we work with they'll tell you that we always do what we say we're going to do that's that's our guarantees make us do that as well so we've got this sort of ecosystem that forces itself to deliver because we have to I love that attitude towards it. And coming back high level, um, I think it would be interesting for you to give a little explanation of what influencer marketing is, especially for my audience. There's a lot of um, people in the B2B space. W what is influencer marketing and how does it work? Yeah, so I suppose I'll, I'll start with what, why, why are we even talking about influencer marketing? Why does it exist? And that, that is due to a, a movement of people from consuming information and entertainment on one channel onto another and the world has changed like no other time certainly in in my lifetime but i believe in the last 50 60 years that the social media has taken people from living their lives looking around to living their lives looking down at a phone which is tv never did that it, it became a part of your life it didn't change how you live your life and that's the big thing with social so the only you know that's the opportunity is that people are spending time on social media now how do you get to those people on social media the answer is influencers people if social media stops existing influencers stop existing social is obviously not going to and influencers is the mechanism of moving people around social and that's what we've always used them for they're a, they're now becoming a a creative channel but they're fundamentally a distribution channel it's it's they all have segmented audiences no influencer starts off life talking about everything they start off talking about something really specific and they build an audience of 200,000 people that follow them because all they do is talk about gardening or all they do is play league of legends or all they do is talk about chelsea or all they do is talk about high-end fashion whatever it may be you end up with very segmented audiences following these influencers so from an advertiser's point of view the you know niche content to niche audiences at scale has always delivered the best value you want to sell you know something you know you've got products around bridge go to a bridge club and sell it don't go and stand on the street and try and sell it to every random person that walks past because 99.9% .9 of people are not going to play bridge but everybody at that bridge club does so segmentation's always happened now you just have the ability to do it at real scale very quickly in a incredibly creative specific environment and you have the ability to track everything through so we're an advertising agency. Fundamentally, that's what we are. We happen to use 
social and then influencers because it is the best value right now and people go oh, what's the best value well the cheapest way to get a 10 second you know somebody to watch at least 10 seconds of a video is using influencers not paid media the cheapest way to get a load of content created is to use influencers not a production company the cheapest way to get a load of press is to use influencers not a pr company that's you know it's always about value but this is just another it's it's another channel um and how, how do your clients generally split between just influencers and paid media organic social mm-hmm. um and other sort of elements um through us or just in general through you so they, they come to you like i assume that not all of your clients are just influencers influencer marketing they they want other bits of social yeah it's i think influencer marketing is at the heart of all of it but you know we're pitching for global social you know three-year management for big car companies and things like that so now influencers again is is the distribution element of social but it's a social pitch um we pitch for creative briefs we pitch for all sorts of different things but really it all comes down to we're we're an advertising agency rather than a creative agency to Mm. be clear we go up against media buyers a lot more than we go up against creative agencies i you know the social creative needs to be slightly different to traditional creative but you don't have to throw away you just have to you have to change it slightly so there's still a role in this new social world for creative agencies media planners on the other hand i think was a much more challenging role for them coming up i think this programmatic paid revolution over the last 10 years is going to come down and people have been throwing money into the abyss there for a long long time not really understanding what it's doing for them and you know we're regularly taking paid client budgets and out delivering it by 10 11 12 times it's common for us so but yet those same clients are still putting money into pays because they you know they've got a long-term trading deal and they can't just pull it out but you know that those it is going to happen we're seeing you know i think influencer marketing or so you know social marketing spends but particularly around influencers is probably less than half a percent of global ad spend i think it's going to get to at least 20 on influencers i think social itself will be 40 45 in in total um you know everybody knows millennials spend all their time on social what people don't realize is 50 percent of the workforce now are millennials so this whole millennials are kids thing is is crap you know it's just not it's just not true um and the world has changed and it's never going to go back so you know you see it i'm seeing it every day in brands you, you walk down the street in london and you see the brands that are doing really well the asos is the you know the boohoos people like that and then look at who they're up against the h&ms people like that you've got people going bh they're going out of business left right and center because they have not caught this social wave they've missed it yeah i i saw on the vlog the other day harry was saying um it's good walking around and looking at which brands are using billboards because then you know that's someone you Clients. can target because they're yep. waste they've got more more money to waste yep. absolutely that's yeah. what it is it's a it's an ego thing really yeah. the 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 out of home stuff is they want their mate to see it and then when their friend sees their ad on the billboard and texts them and i've seen this happen with other people i've been around who have 
done this and then they've texted me going look it's worked because their friend's seen it it's like that's <laughs> those people are looking out for it they know your brand of course they're going to notice it but the average person isn't looking up particularly not now they're looking down so you want to get an ad in front of that person it better be on their phone or you're probably going to miss it yeah you're right um how do you sort of decide the best influencers for brands how does that work um so i think you can only ever get somebody who like if you ever get someone to talk about anything inauthentically with influencers it do, it's not going to work so the first thing is should they talk about this and so client comes to us pick any client pick campaign we'll, we'll look at what are the K as an advertising agency we'll look at what kpis are they trying to hit what are they actually trying to achieve are they trying to get awareness are they trying to get footfall are they trying to get downloads of a product are they trying to sell things are they trying to um you know do they need uh, is it bookies and they want depositors is it apple music and they want signups like what is it that's what we'll start with what's the kpi then we'll go into what's the target audience what you know is this 18 to 30 year old men women what is it where are they based we'll look at all the demographics around that We'll input that into our CRM system, which will essentially then spit out a ranked list around that. So we go input, we want 18 to 30 year old men who have an interest in football, who have done a tech campaign with us, who have got a, and then we go into KPIs, who have got a CPV of better than 0.8 of a P, have got a cost per click better than X, have got a cost per download better than Y, and then our system's ruling out everyone that's not going to be able to do it. We end up with a list of several hundred for the little bit that you need. Let's say we need 20. We've got 100. We'll start with ranking one in our system, which is they're absolutely the right person to do it. And they're going to deliver the numbers. Okay, let's speak to them. Hey, Jenny, this is what we want you to do. Um, this is the brand. Oh, I'm not really sure about that. Okay, no problem. Thanks very much. We'll be in touch soon. Number two. All right. Hey, David, um, this is the brand. Oh, God, I fucking love them. Great. All right. This is how much we pay you based on your past results. Oh, God, I don't really know. Okay, we'll go to someone else. Oh, no, I'll do it. Fine. Okay. All right. Number three, and we, we're literally going like that. We've got uh, all these influencers know we're neutral, right? We don't manage or represent anyone. So we're not just being dicks arbitrarily. We genuinely don't care who gets that work from an influencer point of view. What we care about is the results for the clients. There are lots of influencer agencies that are set up to make influencers' lives easier. And while we want to help with that process, our fundamental job is to get brands the best value possible out of their advertising spend. And we're very clear about that. For influencers to work with us, they also have to understand that. And they have to realize that we're all part of this system. If they So then putting the extra effort in to deliver the results might mean more money for them next time. If they don't deliver the results, they won't get. So that's kind of how we're doing it. We're using our CRM and then we're using, uh, you know, 125 native social um, creatives that, that understand what works on social and what doesn't. We're doing three to 4,000 posts a week out of here. So we're getting... 10 20 times the data in a week that anyone else is getting in a quarter so it's the data that we're seeing as long as we're listening to it 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 optimizes itself all the time so is all of the data you have stuff you've collected yourself because some people might be thinking 
client comes to you in <laughs> or the, especially in the space I'm in yeah they'll think well we'll just google some influencers and then mm-hmm. pick who might be right but you've actually got data on the influencers on your own system yeah so that's something people don't realize that's yeah. really valuable yeah and really the only valuable. way to do that is to be doing it live you can't retrospectively go back and do it you have to track as it's happening everywhere you've got to link in to the back ends of the clients and link all that data in it's we don't give that data to anybody it's the most valuable data set anywhere in the world in this space full stop because it's real data it's not there's lots of software platforms that have scraped algorithmic data from instagram and facebook where it tells you how many followers someone gets and the average engagement rate but the problem is three people with a million followers that all have a five percent engagement rate are going to perform completely differently and one of them might work really well and two of them might be crap and they might all want the same money so if you just go out and guess you're going to get burned at least 75 80 percent of the time we essentially the reason when our results are so much better is we're using that 20% that work all the time rather than guessing now in every campaign we use 10 to 15% of new people so we're constantly expanding our database but we we know the 80 85% are going to deliver all the results for the clients how do you find new people so a combination of people coming to us which we get a lot of several hundred a week um, plus we've got um, an insights and influence relation teams of 13, 14 in London who are essentially they sort of they've got two jobs which is why it's sort of insight and part of their job is dealing with influencers but really their job is the CRM and you only get to the influencers through the CRM so it's how the influencers feed into that where that data gets stored and everything else these guys are the data scientists more than creatives um, in that side of the business hmm. how do you try and sell influencer marketing to brands that might be skeptical because it is still in the scheme of things a relatively new thing you still see a lot of brands putting a lot of budget into out of home and um stuff like that so how how do you sell it to to new clients or anyone that might be skeptical yeah um well the best solution for skepticism is to to deliver right so what we tend to do with the vast majority of our clients is we'll do test campaigns we we've we don't go in and try and get people to put us on three-year deals i'm happy to run month by month with clients unlike lots of people want to be on a three-year deal because it gives them a security or oh, that client's not going to leave us i've always thought if you do bad work they'll leave you no matter what contract so i've never thought that matters and we've proven that actually we get a lot more money from our clients if we are on a month by month because by the time they finish the first month what they thought they were going to spend has changed you know they spend 50 grand it works better than 200 grand they spend elsewhere trust me they're going to spend more than 50 grand the next month so that tends to be how we do it is we get in we show them what this can be guarantee the results up front so right at the beginning they know if we do this we're giving them better value if we don't do it they don't pay us either way they're going to win and then once we've done it once they'll come back you know how do we how do we get people to sort of see the opportunity it's a lot easier now than it was three years ago three years ago i really had to you know like even so the amount of people that were like yeah but it's like 
is Instagram really going to be around in a couple of years? And it's like, at least I don't have to do that now. People yeah. understand social's not going anywhere. Um, people are throwing shit at influencers, particularly advertising agencies. All of the big media companies for three years have been saying that influencers is crap. It doesn't work. It's this, that, and the other. And then in the last six months, they've all launched their own influencer agency, two people. They don't actually do any of it. They just pass it. But, you know, they're going to try and protect themselves. We're this this channel is so much better than the other channels that if I was if I owned an agency in one of those other channels I'd be worried about it too so you know I think there is skepticism there's some of it correct because I think there's a lot of people not doing this right and we to be honest we we come up against a lot of our clients will have tried it themselves and will have had not great experience and my job is to show them that we're different to that. We've got a completely different approach to everybody else. Nobody has the model that we have. Nobody has the data that we have. Nobody's given the guarantees that we have. So we can de-risk it a lot more than other people can, which gets them in the door. And then when you deliver, all that fear goes away. Like it becomes something they're worried about to the most exciting thing that they're dealing with. And that's the advantage of being in our space um people's kids help us a lot as well like it's there's two type of people i want to see in a meeting one is someone young who understands social themselves because if they are if you're under the age of 30 i don't need to tell you that everyone's on social i don't need to tell you that you've thought about not subscribing to sky anymore and all these sorts of things whereas a 45 year old just hasn't grown up with this at all so they're not going to have that opinion but their kids do and the amount of senior brand people I meet in their 40s and 50s with 7 to 15-year-old kids who the second I start talking go, oh, my God, yeah, I get it. It's every night, that's all I see. I, they never watch this. They're always on YouTube. What the hell is this person? What the hell is this? You know, they know it. Yeah. They see where their kids are spending their time. So, And that's the real thing is is if people understand that that consumers spending time on social then of course they have to advertise there it's for me that's obvious and so the first thing to realize is that and then what's the best way to advertise there well i'll guarantee our results up against paid you know and and then it's pretty self-explanatory from that point i make it sound a lot easier than it is and lots of clients don't see it we don't win everything that we pitch for um we've had lots of clients who have come back to us nine, 12 months down the line. Somebody leaves who was against it, but the rest of the team was for it. They bring us back. It like, it happens. It's, um, you know, and then the, the, the downside of the industry, I think is that people are looking at this space as a quick way to make some money. So you've got some unsavory characters in it that are not really trying to build any long-term value. are just trying to make some money. You've also got some very good people in it, not just us. There are lots of, incredibly talented people in this space you know uni lad went into administration we were a bidder of it i knew every bidder personally they're all friends of ours that went for 14 million everybody that bid that i was aware of was under 30 so you know all proper money big businesses that they built young smart 20 year olds in london and there are some really really clever people and london is a is an epicenter for social it's uh it's you've probably got close to 50% of the major players in this space within a mile of this office. 
um, globally. So, yeah. That's, that's really, really helpful. Um, it's, it's insightful to me to sort of, um, your, your model of guaranteeing results is not something no. you ever see in B2B demand gen. And there's, there's a reason. You don't see it in B2C either. It, it, it doesn't happen. People, are, people don't get it. They don't understand why we do, we do it because we're impatient. We don't want to wait for people to see the value of this and it's a way for us to shortcut it and de-risk it. But we, we don't need to. A lot of the time we don't need to and we do it anyway. Um, and it's just become part of our DNA now. But it's I regularly come up against clients and they'll we'll be talking about the guarantee and they'll... Because I think other agencies talk about guarantees but they don't mean it it's not a guarantee for me is guarantee on payment if it doesn't happen don't pay anything less than that's not really a guarantee it's a it's a contract that could be broken based on terms whereas we're happy to actually guarantee if we tell you yes we can do this then yes we can do this and if we don't do it that's on us and so maybe that's naive um and that again, I think, is because we're not agency people. Um, we've 120 people in here, 125, whatever it is now. There's, I think, less than five that have come from agencies. Now, the ones that have come from agencies are very good, but loads of people have come in here and gone, "Oh, when I was at this place, we used to do it like this." And everything we do here is different. Everything we're not set up in the same way. We don't know how an agency is set up. We know what the most efficient way to deliver this is and that's what we've set up but then we found out two years after being an agency oh no one else does it like this everybody else has their account managers do the sale they have a client that's their clients they they wine them dine them they take them out they do everything we we have departments here where the client gets passed through we have experts in each area when it's time for them to talk about the creative they're with the creatives in the business the, the best creative people not the account manager the account manager is there to keep it all together but we have specialists throughout which again was just how we thought was the logical way of setting it up and it sort of we realize when it's too late oh no one no one does it like that so with people try and come in here and make us do things like everybody else and that's what we won't do we don't just because someone else has been doing something for 20 years is not a good enough reason to do it for me. It needs to be because it's the best option. Yeah, definitely. What what what's, what would you say is the average age of people? Twenty four in here. Wow. Yeah. Blimey. Yeah. Like if you say that to any other. Yeah, it's mad, um, isn't it? Yeah. Marketing agency. They. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, but we, you know, it 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 comes back to where people, you know, how people have grown up, and we've got listen, we've got professional people in here. Um, Otherwise, the average age would probably be 20. But the, the, the bulk of our campaigns team are young. And they, their understanding of social, of video editing, of things like this is, is innate to them. And it's very difficult to understand. You know, it's very difficult, if not impossible, to train someone who isn't innate in that to become as good as they are. Because... You just don't get it it's like if you went and handed a smartphone to somebody from 1910 even if you spent two weeks with them really showing them what it could do they just would not have that same understanding as the people that have grown up with it it's 
we do things without even realizing we're doing things and that's that i think is the big reason that our age is what it is is and it will age up with the industry you know we're when we can have 35 year old social natives that's, that's great but at the moment very difficult to get there they'd have to be real early starters to be 35 and have really ridden this you'd have had to be on facebook within a year or two of it starting you know to have got it from 13 14 up so um but that does bring it brings problems the not problems but it brings a different set of challenges yeah different yeah. set of challenges yeah. um we've got an incredibly young hungry motivated workforce that truly understand what they're doing but we've got a young hungry truly <laughs> you know so we've got to manage that very well and um we've got to try and educate them on the other sides of things you know when it comes to understanding of social we don't have to teach them anything but we have to teach them more on the general stuff how to manage clients how to deal with expectations all those sorts of things that people would know if they've been working for 10 15 years because we've got such a young workforce lots of these people it's their first job so it just comes with the any company where a lot of people it's their first job you're going to have to train that in but honestly i've been i'm continuously shocked by how brilliant that set of people are and how unbelievably talented this you know certain people in this generation can be the the ability to make things happen in hours because of your phone has given people a new mindset you know the it used to be oh there's this project we want to do right let's set something in a week then we'll talk about it in two weeks time like in this office that all happened in six hours because people have a whatsapp group set up in 30 seconds of the conversation starting and then it's just bang 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 before you know it so yeah that's a really refreshing approach um and something else that's really refreshing is the fact that the goat agency do a daily vlog yeah um, you've seen gary v do it and uh stephen bartlett's social chain did it for a little while yeah um what made you start a daily vlog honestly we felt like we were becoming hypocrites by not doing it that was the real sort of i started to sell it to other people started to tell other to tell clients they should be doing this and no one ever said oh why aren't you but i just it was always in my mind as i was talking about it and so and we knew we had to we knew we should be doing this we just we didn't want to for the same reason that everyone else doesn't want to and that's because it's you put yourself out there you become at risk people might not like you it might hurt your ego that's that's why we didn't do it when we finally decided to do it it was an acceptance of well fuck that like this is ridiculous we can't make decisions based on that we have to, like we, we need to do this for the business so let's do it with everything we do when we make a decision it happens 10 times quicker than people think is possible so friday we decided we we're going to do it on monday we put the first vlog out monday morning we had four new starters here in the video team and the first vlog went out that day we're 72 73 vlogs in now um and i think it's the future i think it's a new type of entertainment that every business should be doing i think it will replace websites it will go alongside social pages it will sit on your social pages and when someone wants to find out what you i mean the best way for someone to find out what we do is to go and watch our vlogs right it's because then it isn't me telling you what i want you to think it's what 
we actually do who's actually doing it it's the real the real stuff it's a a documentary rather than a show reel which is a very different thing we've had lots and lots of clients come to us since we've started doing it saying that they want to start doing it um and i think you're going to see a massive uptake in video content being produced by brands whether that's daily vlogging whether it's weekly blogging whether it's a vlog or it's content on a sofa whatever it may be brands are going to start and agencies and everyone else are going to start putting out content on a regular basis because why not you've got a social page people are listening talk to them and the the benefits are wide they're much wider than we thought we did it at the beginning to honor what we stand for and what we believe in and also to try and you know for for PR essentially to to also show people who we are and what we do the real benefit alongside that that we've got is the staff um, morale the staff um, understanding of what everybody in the business is doing has been unbelievably powerful everybody knows one of the most common questions we used to get whenever we do staff surveys and things like that to ask try and find out what people are thinking a lot of it would always be what are you guys doing like I don't I see you here and there and on that what were you doing in Zurich what were you doing over there like what what is that I didn't know where you were and this takes away from all that because everyone can see it you see it the next day across the whole business you know I've I haven't been to our Singapore office yet um in fact none of us have me Nick or Harry um I will be going soon if any of you are listening to this um but we know them I've seen them on the vlog I see it every day like it's i know the people i'm going to meet they know us because they're watching the vlog every day in this satellite you know in, in singapore and new york and monaco they're all sitting together watching it together as a thing um in london it gets dropped to the end of the day but that impact has been enormous and you know the there are big clients that i'm speaking to that you would think they're not going to vlog are they but they will and they'll do it a lot of it for that uh, you know some of it for their csr but a lot of it for just pulling their employees together getting everyone on the same page having something that people believe in i mean we're getting job applications now we get 500 job applications a week yeah it's nuts nuts and that's picked up by five or six fold since the blog started it's 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 non-stop now and the better the blog is the more the job applications come in it's very directly linked so you know, I think there's lots of reasons to do it. I just think it's another another type of content. It's a type of content that you couldn't have possibly produced four or five years ago because technically the equipment wasn't good enough. Now, like we've got cameras and everything and everything and editors and all that sort of stuff. But like for anybody watching this thinking, oh, I want to put daily content out. The first thing is just do it. Just stick it out there. But the second thing is you don't need anything other than your phone. You can do it all on your phone. And I've seen bits of our vlogs are filmed on our phones. Sometimes you can't tell when it drops in, when it drops out. Like the quality isn't that different. Well, the guys in Singapore are all doing it on their phones. Yeah, so yeah, exactly. So, you know, there, there's no financial reason to stop it. The only reason people don't want to do it is because they don't want to put themselves in that position or because they think everybody doing it is a dickhead, which, you know, is it's their opinion and they might not be wrong um you know it's it takes it takes something to do this 
personally every day to put yourself out there and like I can say that I don't I have to sort of try and not be bothered by any of it not think about it not worry about how do I come across how do I look there but it does affect me of course it does I'm a human being you know friends of mine will be like I thought you came across as a real dickhead today and (laughs) you know I'm thinking oh god no what what's and and then sort of 10 minutes later I'll be like I've just can't I've just got to forget this because this is going to happen and I you know you need to listen but you also need to understand that if you're doing anything significant in life people are gonna some people are gonna go against it um i think there are lots of people not lots of people there are a few people doing it in the space um you mentioned gary and steve i think they're both doing they're both doing very different things that you know they're them and we're us i think is the biggest thing and i i don't think we're anything like steve or gary you're not um I don't think our businesses are anything like them. I don't think personally as people we're anything like them, but I don't have any problem with them and, you know, good luck to them. Bits of their content I think are really good. Bits of it I think are really wrong and aren't good. Bits of the messages I don't agree with, but that's for them. I think they're going after a different audience to us as well. They're very much going after the the young aspirational entrepreneur, whereas we're not really we're not telling people come and listen to us because we're going to tell you how to become a millionaire we're saying come listen to us if you want because we're just showing you what real life inside a incredibly fast-growing london agency is if you've got an interest in that great if you don't have a great day you know like that's we're not trying to get a million views on this you know this is not a scale thing for us we're trying to hit this is a b2b play we're trying to hit marketeers at brands not 15 year olds that want a job now we obviously get the job people come in from that because it's it's um it's going to be part of it but our goal is to touch those those cmos those marketing directors people in the marketing team cfos right for, for everybody there are different things that you could follow anyone that's been involved in a very fast growing business will see a lot of things that happen here and think oh god it was like when i was there anyone that's been in an agency will see things and be like oh god yeah i remember when that you know we're just a group of people trying to do our best you know we're we've got a product that's genuinely best in class that we're incredibly proud and bullish about but we're also don't think we know everything and you know we're learning every day and just try and put that out there and be as open and honest as we can without you know um without putting anything too confidential in there which is obviously a problem we film for we film all the time and so everything you see is natural um we cut things that can't go in and a huge amount gets cut but we never stage anything nothing's we've never sat down and gone right we're going to talk about this we just as you saw when you walked in people are just filming and if it gets captured it gets captured and there are some days where we finish and we've got 40 minutes of brilliant content that we're going to put into a six seven minute and others it's oh fuck, we only got three or four minutes there and it's like well it's what it is it's you got to put it out yeah and i i personally really enjoyed watching the vlogs and they are very different to those the other two i mentioned and i i, I expect it's good for 
new business as well and actually when you go into meetings they feel like they know you a little bit more yeah i've come in here i feel like i know you more than if i hadn't seen the vlogs and i'm looking around the office and recognizing people from the vlog and that's a really bizarre thing but yeah so i i i've our staff get it a lot more than i do harry gets it all the time (laughs) yeah um people come up to harry constantly talking about this the best example with that was um we got approached by God. Am I going to name him? I'm not going to name him. Um, somebody very, very high up at FIFA, um, who came in here. He sat with us for an hour and a half. Really, really smart guy, doing some proper stuff there. Really, and good stuff. And we didn't pitch at all. Sat there for an hour and a half. I said five or ten minutes worth of stuff we're answering questions he's asking but he'd watched all the vlogs so he knew us he knew exactly what we were doing he knew what the business was he knew us personally he trusted us to an extent because he'd seen mm-hmm. us time and time again and you know if you watch the vlogs you'll see us in good times and not so good times and it's you know you see how we react um and so that was that was the first time where i thought oh wow this is powerful because i don't have to pitch here at all he's already sold i just have to manage the process um because our pitch was done when he watched the vlogs and we weren't even pitching when he watched the vlogs. so it's a really it's a beautiful dynamic when you can get it right people walk into your office wanting to work with you and you're the the one trying to sell them stuff it's a great place to be and it's it's a really big investment for you guys Mm -hmm. um four full-time people on the blog team am i right there yeah do you at what point would the vlog be considered a success is it already a success now or yeah definitely um we've we've had clients come to us from seeing the vlog already so that's pretty much covered what we've sunk in um the i would say the staff benefit makes up all the rest of it already the the buy-in um from them the extra mile they go for for goat in part because of it i think there's a huge monetary value on it um i don't know it depends it depends what you value you know we value innovation we value being at the forefront of things there's a a huge unfinancial but still financial value on that for us and it's that's really important um but it is it is a significant investment you've got to get it right and we're you know we've got some really good people we're not doing that lightly with those four either um but yeah the you know i'd I'd say it's paid back has it paid back in a client spend against it and then a profit against it pretty much but it certainly has in and you're only three months in yeah exactly yeah Yeah, and it's building and building and building you know the views are going up but we're also we haven't even tried to get this out there yet you know we if anyone can distribute this vlog anywhere in the world we can and we haven't done anything it's all organic we haven't touched anything because we want to make sure it's right before we do it and we're not doing it for to get 100,000 views an episode we're doing it to get the right people watching it so um you know for us it's just been about products and about quality and about making sure that what we're doing is 
real and also sustainable we've had to ensure that we can do this long term we don't want to go and shout about this and then six weeks later stop um because it looks terrible and so we had to be certain that we could continue this from a time point of view and a resource point of view i now i get filmed all the time but i don't spend any time on it i don't i'm not sat down looking at edits i'm not i never see them before they go out they just they go out people are doing it and that was the big fear for me was if if this was going to take three hours of my day every day i couldn't do it it's i have to deal with our clients i have to deal with our staff it's more important than that but we've managed to get it to a point where it takes very little actual time from us and therefore you know the 20 grand a month whatever it is is worth it for us having worked in the b2b space for a few years um i'd be interested to sort of see your thoughts on hear your thoughts on influencer marketing in b2b can it be applied there and does it work have you worked with any b2b clients in the space um we have um not as many as we have b2c that's for sure um but yeah we have um the vlog is obviously a b2b product and is being used a lot of the conversation we're having with clients around vlog is around it being used as a b2b um i think the advantage with influencers for b2b marketing is how niche you can go and b2b marketing is fundamentally about going niche rather than going generally there's no point in putting a billboard ad up for it if you know only 0.01 percent of people walk past are of any relevance to you so the advantage of b2b marketers going into influencers is you're going to go really specific the challenge is it's not that the scale isn't as big right you've got to go because you're going really niche it's going to be difficult to find those people and then when you find them you've got to do a good job with them b2b have got to keep influencers happy a lot more than b2c coca-cola can use literally millions and millions of influencers but if you're uh, you're trying to shift commercial property in mayfair there might be 50 people that have any relevance whatsoever to that and a following and will impact it and if you go and do something with 10 of those and you piss them off you're in real trouble so you've got to be a lot more careful you've got to you've got to spend more time trying to actually it's it's almost a cross between influencer and pr right you've still got to get that person to really advocate for you rather than they won't be as easy to buy as as the b2c influencers are but if you can do it it's the most powerful form of of advertising i mean somebody like gary v is a b2b marketer's dream i mean if you're an advertising agency and you went on gary v's podcast or something like that and he said oh god i used them for a campaign last month they were the best agency we ever used i mean you you'd have to take the phone off the hook it, it, it wouldn't stop so you know it's i think it it can be used but it's not it's people are not using it in the right way what you can't do is use b2c general influencers and try and think that that's b2b you know we we've done a lot of stuff with club wembley for example around the b2b stuff where we're getting influencers to club wembley to showcase it and then try and sell it on for example and we first started they were we were sort of people were looking at people that were famous and then had a bit of 
business I'd sort of I don't know and I, and I, I saw it, it was just like what on earth is going on here it's partly from the client um, and partly from our team um, and when we nailed it for them was when we just realized that this was a longer onboarding process than a traditional B2C celeb and we had to do the full Club Wembley pitch to these people several times over in order to get them to really advocate for it because they didn't give a shit about going to Club Wembley. If somebody offered me Club I mean I I get offered every football ticket going, right? I don't I don't if anyone's got from the Champions League final I will have it. But <laughs> but I literally I can like we get Club Wembley tickets all the time. Yeah. So offering somebody like me, oh do you want to go to Club Wembley? It's like, well maybe, but what are we gonna talk about? You know, it's it's gonna have to be something more than that. And so making it a space that people can use for meetings that are slightly different, talking about well, have you thought about bringing a client here? We could put you here. You could, you know, selling it in a slightly different way to the actual influencer was what enabled us to get a completely different set of results. It was all in the, the call to action, essentially. Um, so, yeah, I I think B2B influencers is the next phase of what's coming, right? We've seen B2C take hold everywhere. Um, B2B's coming. The influencers will... Are there it's just brands are not quite using them in the right way they're going to them and using them as billboards rather than as advocates and i think that's the big difference it's one thing to use an influence a billboard if you're doing awareness for malibu or for coke curd or someone like that but if you're trying to do something that's much more complicated requires much more detail requires industry knowledge it's got to be it's got to be real. It's got to be genuine advocacy. And the only way you'll get that is by actually advocating to the influencer in its own right. This might take an hour on the phone. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I think that's a brilliant note to end it on. Aaron, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Where can people find you in the work that the Go Agency are doing? Uh, so you can find us at goagency.com. You can follow us on LinkedIn. You can go to um go agency youtube channel where you see all of our vlogs um i'm at aaron shepherd a-r-r-o-n shepherd on every social channel i think so Brilliant. find me there thank you so much thanks a lot appreciate it